0: Before I share details of this episode, please be aware that we briefly mentioned suicide and abuse. So if that could be upsetting for you, please feel free to listen to a different episode. Hi, this is Sharice Kenyon and you're listening to the Beauty Me podcast all about beauty beyond the BS. This week's guest is content creator and licensed therapist Fumi Monet. Femi was one of my guests on the recent UK Black Girl Makeup episode, which is number 118 if you're interested. Just search UK Black Girl Makeup on TikTok and see what comes up. So when Femi came on that episode, we ended up, even though we spoke about makeup, she ended up telling me that actually she's a therapist full time. And the minute that she shared that with me, I knew that I had to invite her on to talk about therapy in depth. I feel like I owe you an apology, though, because if you're someone that follows Fumi, you're probably expecting me to ask the Dallas, Texas-based creator's thoughts on why she's been called TikTok's fave fragrance auntie. Fumi has over 200 perfumes in her collection, including her own fragrance, Exalt. And you may be expecting me to get the full details on her time as a makeup artist at Bobbi Brown and her memories of beauty, which of course are regular features on this podcast. It's it's what it's all about. I'm very nosy about people's routines and what they use. But we basically talked about therapy for the entire duration of our chat. And actually, I'm grateful for that. I learned so much. I had the opportunity to learn more about the value of therapy why it's so important to see yourself in your therapist, and also the signs that it's time to ask for professional help. I really hope you gain something from this and do please share this episode with anyone who might need it. Let me know if this resonates with you and tag me on Instagram at beautymepodcast when you're listening. I'm very intrigued by people's morning routines, like no matter what field they're in. So I like to find out, From the minute you open your eyes, walk me through your morning.
1: Absolutely. So, you know, one thing that I've been trying to do just in the last few months, especially since I've moved, is be more intentional with my morning routine, Um, especially because I do work from home. And I found that, like, you know, how you wake up really sets the tone for the rest of your day. So, you know, um, I try to go to bed a little early now. I used to be a night owl, but now I've realized the early bird does catch the early bird does catch the worm <laughs> oh
0: you made <laughs> the so, switch because i always hear it's almost impossible if you're a, if you're an official night owl to just switch
1: i think it's also like me being in my 30s like i'm just i feel my body is just it's it's not the same like it's not the same as when i was 25 burning the midnight oil it's just not the same anymore <laughs> uh so you know i do you know i go to bed a little early in the evening so i wrap up my business um and my day starts with just, you know, first of all, taking a few minutes to just have some peace. Um, you know, I wake, I don't just like leap out of bed. Um, I like to just kind of savor that process of my body waking up because, you know, I think the, when you hear your alarm, the first thing that wakes up is your brain, but you know, your body needs a few minutes to catch up too, <laughs> especially after sleeping well, you know, like when you're well-rested you know, I just, I want the rest of my body to catch up with the process of my mind already being awake. So, you know, I'll lay in bed for a few minutes. Um, You know, I do like to meditate a little bit or maybe say a prayer and think about like, okay, what is my day going to look like? Okay. So then, you know, I get up and I start my morning routine of maybe doing like some type of workout, you know, like I'll maybe go to the gym or, you know, do some stretching mm-hmm. and just to kind of, you know, wake myself up. And then uh, I go, I take a shower. Like I love that morning shower. I was, I, I I can never tell which is my favorite, like the morning shower or the night shower because mm. the morning shower, it's like you're starting your day. It's very refreshing. But then the night shower, it's like you're washing off all the nonsense from
0: the day. <laughs> the
1: <nonsense that> <laughs> But I'd like the morning shower because I use that time to actually, um, maybe listen to like a podcast or maybe like a YouTube video from like, you know, um, someone that I find like inspirational and motivating. Like I like to start with, you know, motivational words in the morning. And I think that's a really big way to kind of set your mind on, you know, feeling uplifted, you know, um, you really do have to set the stage for yourself to find peace in your day, you know? And, uh, what I've realized is that when I do these things, you know, it kind of helps me to look at my day in a positive, like I look forward to my day, like when I have an inspirational meeting or no, sorry, when I, when I listen to an inspirational message, you know, when I have a really nice shower, when I have a good workout, you know, when I slept, you know, seven, eight hours and I feel well rested then I feel good about approaching the rest of my day too. I really recommend people finding maybe like something that makes them feel encouraged and motivated um, in the morning. Sometimes it might be a passage from a book. Like, you know, um, there's an author I love. Her name is Renee Brown. Oh. Incredible.
0: Her TED talk on being vulnerable, is it? Renee is so intelligent and Mm. makes you can make you emotional with just a few words because she really makes you just look at you it's not about everybody else or everything else it's like everything is down to you yeah and I think you know that's
1: part of what people kind of forget forget about in their day-to-day life because you know you become so focused on your job your friends your family you know your partner your kids that you forget that you are the center of that storm. And so it's important to, you know, find ways to nourish yourself during, you know, during your your daily routine so that you can also make sure that you're you're strong, you're evolving, you're, you know, you're ready for all the things that is going to come at you that day. So I love Renee and I I'd highly recommend like if you know people are looking for something to kind of give them a little bit of um, encouragement or maybe a little bit of guidance regarding, you know, how they can feel more comfortable with themselves or even how they can find a voice in this world where it's so easy for our voices to get lost. Um, I also love Sarah Jakes Roberts
0: as well. Okay. Is that, Um, is that the Bishop's wife?
1: Yes. It's his daughter she's fabulous oh,
0: daughter. okay yeah
1: she's fantastic and she has a lot of videos on youtube from some of her um her like you know her motivational and uh pastoring and things as as well so i love to listen to her too um but yeah i mean your morning routine really it sets the foundation for the rest of your day having a strong morning routine usually um means you'll have a strong you know finish mm-hmm. through the rest of your day you know um, no, i breakfast. do the same not really much of a breakfast girl i'll be honest oh you're not a breakfast girl no you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna admit this if, if i do breakfast it's like i might do like a boiled egg and like coffee or like a red bull oh <laughs> <Or tea. laughs> like i love tea, Especially when i'm working from home like i'll drink tea like all morning just make a big pot of tea but i don't know for some reason i i've not been able to get into the breakfast routine are you a breakfast girl
0: yeah because i like breakfast
1: foods Okay.
0: <laughs> coffee, donuts, that qualifies as breakfast food to me. Yeah. Um, pancakes, eggs. But the time of day that I eat isn't necessarily always in the morning. Um, I'd rather not eat until 12. Um, kind of like intermittent fasting. where you give yourself the window because I'm very simple in the morning. Water, coffee, more coffee. Because I can get lots of work done in the morning. So I'd rather not think about food, but I totally get what you mean about setting yourself up because I do try my best every day. And my husband even, he listened to this podcast recently and it was like the one thing you can do to have a better day. And it was literally, it might sound silly to some people, but it was literally say, today is going to be a great day because you try and set yourself up and you try and do all the right things. And even if you end up having a tough day I still think you've dealt with it better don't you think that some days when you don't prepare you can literally just like go on autopilot through the day and by the end of it you're like how did I actually do this because oh, absolutely. You're not in the moment and it just yeah. you just get carried through the day
1: oh yeah definitely you know it's like
0: our bodies are just
1: so used to our routines that we have that I mean it really it's like kind of like driving I one thing I've always thought about is, you know, sometimes when I'm going somewhere, like I'll get there and just think, well, like, it's been like it took me 30 minutes to get here, but I don't remember the drive at all. Like it was so routine and it just like your body's yeah, it's like your just, yeah, it's, like you're, you're, it's like your body is taking over where your mind has checked out, like you said, out of autopilot. But yeah. like I definitely agree about speaking um, you know, affirmative words to yourself too. Um one thing that I'm notoriously bad about is being a complainer. Like I'm a Virgo sis. I'm a Virgo. So like naturally. My
0: husband's Virgo. <laughs> so do you guys complain?
1: Oh my goodness. So much. I am just now. Na- oh, I naturally, I'm, I think naturally I look for the worst before I expect the best in order to not set myself up for disappointment.
0: Okay. But what I yeah. realized is
1: that it's not a, it's not a particularly healthy way to approach the world and approach your own life, you know, when you're always thinking about the worst thing that could happen and not looking forward to the best thing that could happen, you know, because then those are the things that you look for. You look for all these negative things that could happen to you versus embracing the beautiful things that, you know, occur in our lives every single day. So, yeah, cool I, that I'm you're I aware that. of that, though. Oh, you know, I think that maybe being in my field, you know, you have to be very self-aware. You should be. Let me say this should be self aware because it helps you to be <laughs> oh, a better so if you're a therapist. therapist. Yeah, it helps you be a better therapist, but I think, you know, you have to be able to do self reflection to know, okay, how can I figure out how I can be how I can be better than the things that naturally want to like keep me keep me back, you know? Cuz I think we all have those things that like are a natural inclination. And sometimes they come from life experiences, right? Like things that happen to you. So maybe you expect to be disappointed, right? Because you've experienced so much disappointment. It's easier to expect disappointment than to expect a positive outcome or something, you know? So like based on, you know, maybe besides your personality, but your life experience, those are things that can shift like how you see yourself. You know, and how you you see your relationships with other people and and things like your job, you know, um,
0: your partner,
1: even your children or your friends, you know.
0: You've taken me back to because I'm a Pisces, so I just dream anyway. Um, But I remember when I was younger, my dad told me his way of thinking, which is always think the worst because then you'll never be surprised or upset when something bad happens and I always thought that was a sad I felt sad that he was telling me to be that way because I wanted to be like well no I'm gonna get that job and I'm gonna get that um that raise and I'm gonna be hired for this and I get it he wouldn't he wouldn't say I'm saying it to protect myself it's coming from fear but years later I'm like yeah it was absolutely coming from fear and I understand because his parents you know they came over to England you know that story of coming from the West Indies not having much starting a new life mm-hmm. and you know everything they they got they worked so hard for so I think it can almost instill a fear within people and then obviously it gets passed down Absolutely. Um, so I just wanted to know like obviously we're going to talk all the skincare and stuff but you know you are Sorry. a therapist that's why I wanted you on here um how I know we can't even cover this in a whole podcast but how can somebody it's like I said it's so good that you recognize how you can be you can potentially look for the negative how does somebody even begin to be self-aware in Mm -hmm. an age when we are constantly distracted looking for distractions now most of us have switched to working from home, even though many of us have gone back to the workplace. It's it's just, it's kind of no longer about us. So how can you even begin to be self-aware, to get to the root of things that make you you and maybe aren't that good for you?
1: Um, I think, you know, the biggest thing that really helps with that journey is learning to recognize patterns, you know, Um, looking at like things that happen in your life and looking and examining your re- your own reaction to like how you how you experienced that and you know what you took away from it it can be with maybe the you know uh, the loss of a job or maybe how you felt not getting a job how you felt after leaving a relationship how you felt after a disagreement with a friend a family member anything like that a lot of times our patterns with how we react to one thing resonate in so many different areas of our life. And you have to sometimes be able to step back and look at like, what's the pattern, what's the common denominator. I recognize that a lot of times for, for many people, fear and insecurity is a large part, like a large motivator for how they react to things. And what I've realized is that it's, it's, the, it's not, it doesn't, make any sense really to, to criticize those things and say, okay, well, it's, that's a bad thing, but to what I always say is honor, honor that this is part of your life experience, but it doesn't necessarily have to dictate how you continue to live your life. You know, understanding like this was a part of my, my, my history, my story, you know, this happened to me. These are things I've experienced. So it makes, it's, it's woven into your, your DNA, essentially your, your story but it doesn't mean that the next few chapters of your, of your, of your story have to continue to go the same way. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we all have to, you know, it takes, you know, having some vulnerability. Um, It's, it's almost more difficult to be vulnerable with yourself because you have to acknowledge, okay, these are actually things that um, I'm struggling with. You know, these are things that have happened to me that are really tough sometimes, but understanding that like, you can you can have a better life for yourself, you know. But it really it just takes you know having to be you know, more self aware and to be um, okay to the the feelings right that that are going to open up with with being self aware as well, like examining maybe how you respond to things that make you angry. Examining how you respond to things that make you feel disappointed, and then maybe seeing like what you know, where's this pattern? Where's where it coming from? Why? Why did? Why did this start? A lot of times, just knowing the answer is enough to like actually help us to to move away from it. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, you you have to be aware of your own history. I think you know, and that is a big part of also acknowledging like what's happened to you in your life and not being in denial regarding how you also contribute right how we because we all contribute yeah. to situations that happen to us yeah
0: I can't remember where I read it but um somebody said just be careful these things don't become your story because then every relationship you go to well this happened to me like and I, I do hear it a lot in older generations. It's almost like there's no other story to be had, even though they are still, they may have 30, even more years, even. Mm-hmm. But their story is almost what, what makes them.
1: It is. And
0: it's, and it's a it's miserable like,
1: existence. It's very miserable to live in. And it, it's miserable and it's exhausting. You miss out on all these beautiful things that life and relationships and friendships, all these things that We should be able to enjoy and nurture and, you know, just make these beautiful parts of our lives, you know, something that we can see daily. And you, you don't even see those things because you're so stuck in the past. You're stuck in hurt. You're stuck in trauma. You're stuck in disappointment. You're stuck in insecurity.
0: And you're not able to move past those things those things can be more comfortable than even trying to change your life. <laughs> Absolutely. Because it
1: sometimes it involves acknowledging, you know, past hurts, which bringing those things up again can be uncomfortable, of course, and very painful. Um, and a lot of times it also involves acknowledging, like I said earlier, how we ourselves contribute to some of the, the things that happen in our life, you know, um, and for example you know with myself uh, operating from fear of disappointment right keeps you looking for disappointment so i had to ask myself first of all disappointment is part of life but it doesn't mean that everything that happens to you has to be disappointing mm-hmm. maybe 80% of things that happen to you are amazing things i you know the 80 20 rule is, is very much like mm-hmm. kind of how like life is never going to be 100% anything but 80% That's a, that's a pretty strong (laughs) passing grade, you know, and 80% of beautiful things happen to you, but you always only focus on the 20%. Then that's what becomes relevant. That's what becomes what matters and all that matters. But like in real life, it's such a small, it's such a small part, you know, nobody would ever say, I'll take this 20 pounds and keep the 80 pounds. Like nobody would, nobody would do that. Nobody would say, this is what I would rather have. You know, we we want to be able to experience and appreciate that 80%. And that's what helps us to stay driven and to stay,
0: stay motivated and to stay in a, a positive place in our lives. You know, we met through a recent episode that I invited you on to talking about the UK Black Girl makeup trend, because you are, you know, you're a makeup queen as well and a fragrance queen and you're a licensed therapist. but. I'm so into the therapy side. So let's just stick with that. Um, I'm always intrigued when somebody is able to help others, where you got that from yourself. So for you, being able to help others through trauma or experiences, have you always been someone that's good with understanding yourself? Or was it studying to be a therapist that gave you those tools?
1: I think when I look back at my life, I I look at a, a pattern of someone who listens more than they talk. I think I've always been that friend for people that like, if you need someone that's going to listen to you, like, I'll do that. Now, as I got older, I, wanted, I also wanted to be the friend that gave advice, but um, that's another topic actually about, you know, learning when you just need to listen and when people actually You know, one advice. You know, being able to um, ask people like, "What is it that you need from me?" You know, but I think you know, learning learning about psychology, like taking psychology classes. I majored in psychology during my undergraduate, and then my master's degrees in clinical mental health counseling. I think it really helped to bring more awareness regarding like how I also see myself. You know, I think there was definitely a way that I saw people you have to have a certain level of empathy definitely to be in this field but I think to be a good like to be a good therapist you have to have also like a certain level of self-awareness too because you have to know your own limitations regarding how you can also help other people you know understand your own biases and you know where you need to learn more maybe whether it's education or training. Because I think sometimes ego is a a thing that drives so many of us. to just believe we can just do everything, which is not to say like we're not capable of doing things, but also acknowledging like, hey, I don't know enough about this to help someone. I don't know enough about this to lead somebody. I need more training. I need more help. I need to ask questions. And, you know, turning that ego down, you know, so that you can be open to receiving answers, help, support. So that you can be like the best person that you can be. I think that's a big, that's a major part of also what draws me to the field is the idea that like every single day you have a clean slate, you know, you wake up every morning. It's, a, it's really a clean slate for as far as what your day can look like, you know, you could have the, the best day in the world, you know, and you can meet every single goal that you have for yourself. You could have the worst day in the world, but the thing is you wake up the next day, it's a new day. That day could be the best day. It doesn't have to be like a Groundhog's Day. Uh, I, don't, I think you guys, you you all don't have Groundhog's Day there. But it's we know like a, the movie. It,
0: we know okay, the, the film. The <laughs> same okay. thing happens every day.
1: Yeah. yeah where you know, it doesn't have to be like that. And I think a lot of times when people are used to disappointment or hurt or whatever, that's what they expect. Just a cycle of every morning, wake up and it's the same. But
0: tell me, it was interesting what you said there about a th- even a therapist knowing themselves and recognizing where they might need more help. That just makes me think of, because during, you know, the height of Black Lives Matter back in June, 2020, I noticed so many more people talking about therapy, but for, you know, different ethnic groups like black people, Asian people, and how I'd actually, I don't think I'd ever heard it before, how important it was to find someone that knows your background as much as possible? Like, can you just expand upon that? Like, why should, you know, why can't any therapist talk to anybody?
1: For a lot of people, it's about feeling comfortable. You know, Uh, it's really, going to therapy is like cracking an egg, right? You just, all the way, you just, all the way are wide open in front of somebody that you've never met before in your life. You don't know this person, you don't have a relationship with them. And now you're sharing all the most vulnerable parts of your life with someone hoping that this person will empathize with you and be able to provide you with maybe guidance regarding how you can navigate your life going forward. But I think a lot of people feel more comfortable at least going into the situation, having some sort of familiarity with that person that they're going to, you know, be in a therapy session with. So for example... I've talked to so many black people that going into therapy, like they would prefer to have a black therapist because there are so many things that we experience as black people that we expect other black people to understand without having to explain, you know, maybe the implications behind like why this happened versus um, going somewhere else. Going to someone else who may not have the same background. One really funny example, which is kind of random, but I hope you can understand what I'm saying is I watched, I saw a video on Instagram the other day and it was this black girl in the airport. I think she was on vacation in like Jamaica or something, but she took a video and it was like 10 other black women in the airport that all had braids. And I instantly, you know, knew black women love to get braids when we talk. Like it's just the black girl. It's a black girl thing. Out of
0: the way, style immediately. Low
1: especially if you're, you know, planning to get in the water. It's a it's a black girl thing. Like black girls get braids when we travel, and so that's just something like we instantly recognize as a black woman, you know. Mm -hmm. But um, like somebody else would probably just watch that video. Someone from a different background just like, okay, what's what do they? I don't I don't get it.
0: What's the connection?
1: What's the connection? Like they're just a bunch of black women, but we understand black black women get braids on vacation. So I mean, something like as as kind of innocuous as that, you know, is something that's really important to our own stories and our own history. And um, I I do understand why it's important to be able to have access to practitioners that look like you. I will say though, to be a good practitioner. I think you have to be, you know, culturally, you have to, you have have cultural awareness, honestly. Uh, It may not necessarily mean understanding all the nuances in someone's culture, but at least like, you know, being open to learning about and being accepting of people's backgrounds, you know, for example, although I personally am not you know, a Muslim, I'm not like Muslim in, with, in terms of my religious background, mm-hmm. I have, have clients that are, and, you know, I am, I do my best to be like accepting and under and understanding. Let me say understanding regarding some of the, the things that come up during therapy that may be tied to their, uh, their beliefs and, you know, their, their, their practices as well. It not it might not necessarily be my own background, but it's not my job to convert myself. It's my job to be understanding and to understand how like how people's beliefs tie into part of like their daily rituals, you know, no matter what it is. So yeah. those are like the kinds of things that like I, I tell people to be on the lookout for. If you do feel more comfortable with someone that has the same background as you, like whether it's your religious background, maybe sexual identity or, you know, whatever, I also say, you know, seek those people out too, because what you're comfortable with is always going to be the most important thing that will lead to having um, growth or recovery or, or healing during your therapeutic process.
0: A lot of people talk about therapy. A lot of people will share, you know, on their social media, I just got back from my therapist and Mm -hmm. A conversation I was having the other day I was like I still feel like it's not for everybody because let's take you know in the UK perhaps like young black men you know late teens mm-hmm. maybe they're not at uni maybe they're not working you know but they will still need therapy just as much as anybody else because who knows you know what anyone's gone through and I was like Where does somebody like that go for therapy when they're totally not going to feel seen? I think it's definitely a conversation that we have more, but it kind of raises more, well, hey, you know, what about this group of people? Mm -hmm. I still think it could be. Even today, somebody said, oh, can you ask how much therapy should cost? Because I don't know if I could afford it or, you know, it's like it's still... It can still be kind of like a luxury, maybe seen yeah. as kind of a luxury.
1: Absolutely. Especially in some areas where there is more demand than there is, you know, um, the supply of therapeutic services. People can, you know, take weeks or even months to see a therapist. And then even then, they're not seeing them every week or every, every maybe a couple times a week, like some people would like. Um, I think too, like it also is tied to accessibility and acceptance of therapy within your circle. Like how how much is therapy itself accepted with the people that you're around, maybe with family or friends, is going to kind of contribute to how comfortable you feel approaching it and identifying. Okay, I need help. Uh, I think too, like something to keep in mind is that. Uh, I don't know if there's a a cost, like a specific, how much should things cost kind of, because Mm -hmm. I, I think that a lot of therapists, you know, their trainings are going to be so different. Some people are, for example, trauma-based therapists. Some people are, maybe they're going to be based on working with people that have experienced PTSD or maybe, um, sexual assault or, you know, gender identity, you know, those are all different trainings that contribute to your, your own knowledge regarding how you approach people that, that seek these services. Um, and I think that just like with anything, uh, you know, where you, where you go for services is going to also, you know, contribute to how much it costs, like maybe a a clinic that's like a neighborhood clinic or something might have lower services for a lower income, you know, area or something, or people that are seeking services maybe through the state government um assisted programs you have hospital programs where you have therapists on on the staff and then you have uh p- therapists that do like a private they're private pay so they're more like an individual based service that people seek out like i'm personally uh a private pay so i work for myself and i have people that seek me out based on like my profiles in different like directories and things like that. But I mean, I've worked in hospitals before and uh, I've kind of done a little bit of everything like community counseling, working like inpatient. So it's kind of given me an idea regarding also like the kinds of services people are able to get. Yeah. And sometimes when you have 40 clients, you know, the uh, the type of attention you can give to someone is going to be a little bit strained.
0: you know? I can imagine. What would you say let's say somebody doesn't feel like they can you know they don't hear that word therapy around family or friends everyone's just getting on and showing you know the highlight reels of life and stuff mm-hmm. how does somebody like that know like no I need I need to get help from somewhere what is the what is the thing that should really tell them you need to get help now how how bad does it have to get almost to be like I need and deserve therapy
1: unfortunately in those situations a lot of times it gets to the point where you know it's it's pretty bad maybe you're having suicidal thoughts maybe you are you know thinking about harming yourself you know maybe you are at a point where you don't see any hope anymore so uh, for a lot of therapists like Hope is actually something we use to um, assess people and, and and look at their, their mental state. Because okay. a lot of times when people are entertaining the idea of maybe harming themselves or or like, you know, having suicidal thoughts, um, what actually indicates how likely that is to happen is is looking at like, we ask, you know, do you feel hopeful about your situation? ever ending? Like maybe you feel depressed, but do you have any hope that this could end? Like this could stop? Like there's a light at the end of the tunnel, you know? And I think that's really why it's so hard for a lot of people to open up regarding uh, how they feel, you know, with their mental state, because so many times people look at us and think, well, your life seems so together. Like somebody can look at you and when you're talking about maybe having feelings of depression, really struggling. Well, what could you be depressed about? You have a, this job. Oh, that's thing. Like you, have, you have this beautiful house. You're married to this handsome man. You have, you're beautiful. You know, you're, you have all this going for you. How, how can you feel? How can you feel that way? Like, don't you know people are doing worse, but it's oh, not about other gosh. people doing worse. It's the idea that like what you're feeling does not feel like it will ever let up. And sometimes that's enough, you know? to like really take you over the edge. And that's why it's really important that, you know, we don't judge people. It's so interesting. Like uh, there was a story about maybe two months ago about a young lady in New York who passed away mm-hmm. uh, and she'd taken her own life. And in the news, everybody was just saying, talking about how she was a lawyer, you know, how she was a, a beauty, a former beauty queen. Like she was a beauty okay, I
0: winner. saw her, yeah. She was so
1: beautiful. She was so accomplished. She had this beautiful life, popular online. Like, how could someone like that take their life? Like, she had everything going for her. And I just thought, is it only ugly people that des- deserve to, uh, you know, deserve to feel that, like, being beautiful or having money or having accolades is not an indicator of how you see life,
0: no.
1: you know? Or how like happy you are.
0: Or how happy but when you are. People say, how could someone cheat on Beyonce or Rihanna? Um What's that got to do with it?
1: It's looks have nothing to do with it. <laughs> right. Like look it, and that's why I, I told you it's really just a surface thing. Looks are just a surface thing. You know, and uh it doesn't, it, it's not an indicator of, of of what you feel about how you're doing. Uh and that's why it's it's we have to be very careful with how we talk to friends who want to open up. And the problem is when you hear when you start hearing things like that, it is really hard to open up because now you think. Well, n- nobody even th- thinks I deserve to feel this way. You know, these feelings I have are things I experience every single day. But people think because I look this way, because I have this job, because I live in this area, because I I, I work in this place, that I shouldn't have them. Mm-hmm. And that's why I encourage all of us, like friends, family members, that when they're going through, the- don't tell someone, oh, how could you? Because I've had a lot of people message me privately. And tell me about how, you know, they even go to a therapist and they'll say, hey, you know, I've been, I've been so depressed and I've been having these, you know, it's been really hard for me. I've been going through a really hard time. You know, life doesn't feel like, it feels like this gray cloud is, gray, gray cloud is hanging over me every day. You know, I don't feel hopeful about my life. Even therapists will say, well, how can you feel that way? You're, look at um, your life. You have this amazing life. And I'm like, please. Oh, you—that no. is the—that is the thing that will make people never come back, because now yeah. they don't even feel justified. Even to them. You don't even feel justified regarding your feelings. Like no one is there to honor how you feel, and it's a big part of your of healing is being like being able to feel like at least my feelings and my my emotions, my my past, my story is being honored. You know, acknowledge those things are happening to me. That way I can move forward,
0: Mm.
1: not just sweep it under the rug. just
0: have it in your head 24-7. It's It's like...
1: Very harmful. Um, I'm just asking anyone listening to this podcast, people in your life, when they're talking to you about what they're going through and they're telling you that they're having a hard time, even though you might not be able to understand why, based on what you see of their life, it's so important to let these people have space to at least feel like they're being seen because the minute you don't feel like you're being seen anymore is the minute like you give up hope and that is what causes people to take their own life when there's no hope left
0: (sighs) well I knew obviously we were gonna you know have an honest conversation for me um and I appreciate you sharing your knowledge what would you say uh the most Without, obviously you can't talk about individuals, but for you, what, what does therapy do? Like, how does it change people? Can it change people's lives and their, and their views on life? Absolutely.
1: I can even speak from my own experience because I went to a therapist myself uh, a few years ago. I had a really bad breakup and I felt just so low, you know, and I felt kind of like I was I had a lot of questions that I needed answering. And I also realized that uh, I needed to work on building myself up because so many of the feelings I had regarding that situation were also tied to how I saw myself. Mm
0: -hmm. And I realized
1: I can't move forward and go into any type of healthy relationship, whether it's with a partner, a romantic partner, or even a friend, you know, friendships, or even just to be a sister to somebody because I have such a poor view of myself. And going to therapy allowed me to open up so many doors that I had questions regarding what was behind, you know? And to figure myself out, to go on that self journey, to be self-aware, to be able to examine myself and ask questions, you know, that gave me answers that I needed to be able to heal, to grow. And um, I think that going to a good therapist that creates, you know, a treatment plan based on your own needs and your own experiences can be so beneficial. You know, I think the biggest thing is a lot of people just don't feel seen. You know, you go through life, right? You're maybe you're a mother, you're a student, you're a, a ch- you know, a a child to somebody. I I'm 31, I still see myself as a child to my parents, <laughs> you know, or a, a like a wife or a mother or anything, but you, you go through life feeling like it's on autopilot, feeling like, you know, you're just going through the motion, but you don't necessarily feel seen by somebody. And I think going to therapy can help you feel seen by yourself to understand, even if nobody sees me, I see me. You know, turning that eye, turning that spotlight on yourself so that now you, the I in your, the I in your sentence in your story is now a capital I mm-hmm. because you acknowledge and accept yourself. You love yourself. And that lo- journey to self-love is the biggest way, the big, the best thing you can do for yourself so that you can navigate this world. The, this world is, a, it can be a tough place. It can be a harsh place. It can be a cruel place, but When you can see yourself, when you can accept yourself, when you can love yourself, your own position within how you navigate this world becomes different. You carry yourself a little taller. You know, you feel a lot stronger. And the most important thing is you feel resilient. That resiliency is what a good therapist can help you build so that when bad things do happen, because things do happen to everybody. Like you don't leave therapy and then now everything is rainbows and sunshine. Mm -hmm. But the point is that like a therapist will help you have those tools so that when things do come your way, you can, you can uh, navigate them. You can figure it out. You know, you have the tools now to, it bounces off of you a little easier. It might sting. It still stings, Mm -hmm. you know, LeBron James, (laughs) is the best basketball player in the world, but I'm sure when he gets hit with the ball, it still hurts just as much as it would hurt any of us. But so you, you know build what? that resilience, you're able to bounce back. Now you grab the ball, you know, you don't sit down and cry. You grab the ball and you keep shooting. And that is what, you know, therapy can, pro- therapy can do with consistency, with honesty, with coming in with a, you know, an open heart, an open mind, and having a good relationship with the person that you are seeking therapeutic services from as well. Qualified person. Um, I- qualified I want
0: to say qualified (laughs) Qualified. (laughs) I I, can't acknowledge
1: that not everybody that's in this field is is great you know is perfect you know Mm -hmm. but honestly 80 20 (laughs) at
0: at least 80 percent you know (laughs) but um tell me because I'm just fascinated to know you know you mentioned bad things happen but a major bad thing that's happened to everybody you know, has been the pandemic. How have things changed for you? Are you seeing different issues, Um, people coming to you for different reasons now since the pandemic? Absolutely.
1: I think the biggest thing that I've been seeing is depression from people um, from being isolated. You know, it's really hard, especially, you know, when you don't get to see your family or your loved ones. Isolation can really cause those thoughts in your head to become so loud that it's all you can hear. You know, and it's very lonely. Like as humans, like we generally crave companionship. We crave, um, you know, com- the company and the love of people around us, friends, family, you know, people we care about. And being isolated, working from home, not having contact with coworkers, which honestly can be good for some people. You know, this working from home thing yeah. has been great for some people, yeah. but it, it can be very lonely. You know, it can be very isolating and it can lead you to feeling very depressed. Anxiety as well, like uncertainty, right, about the future. Will I have my job? Will my job keep me here? Will I be able to afford my apartment? Will, you know, my health insurance, you know, am I going to be healthy? Am I going to catch COVID? You know, there's so many, there's so much uncertainty and uh, anxiety surrounding all of those things that, you know, sometimes people just need a little bit of guidance.
0: Mm. to understand how to process those feelings you Mm. know so tell me when do you feel your most like like the best version of you what does it take for you is it makeup is it skincare is it taking yourself on a date like what's that thing where you're just like this is me
1: you know it's so interesting but in the past year it's getting my hair done I love getting my hair done and I have someone that does my hair now and I just feel so happy because I've always really struggled with my hair. Like I feel like I've spent most of my adulthood flip-flopping between, like I started when I graduated high school, I had a shaved head, like I wore like a low cut. So I did that all through college. Then I grew my hair out a little bit, you know, I've always worn my hair natural, but I don't think I ever really embraced natural hairstyles per se. So I was always in like a wig or braids. And this past year, like I've really found a hairstyle that I just feel really suits me. So every time I get my hair done, I feel like, wow, I've adjusted my crown. Like I feel so happy. I feel like I can hold my head up high. I feel proud, you know, whether, and even with getting braids, I've been getting braids since I was a child. So I I love getting my hair done. It's just, it's like that time is dedicated solely to myself I'm it's all about me like when I'm in the chair getting it's all about me you know maybe we'll have the game show on tv but it's all about what's on my head at that time and I love that like that it's like almost like you're you're nurturing my hair
0: if you found this episode of value then I'd love it if you could leave a rating on Spotify or a review on Apple Podcasts to keep up with what's coming next, be sure to sign up for my newsletter at beautymenotes.substack.com and be sure to check out Fummy's Instagram at fumi Monet. See you next time.